Hello again, Broncos country, and thank you for joining us on our Orange Weekly podcast. Please, please, if you like what you hear, if you like what we're talking about, subscribe and rate our podcast on iTunes. It would be a huge help to us, and we really appreciate it. Here at Orange Weekly, we're all about football and football only. We do not discuss politics. We're just football fans. So you're not going to hear either one of us talking about how many players are on AshleyMadison.com. Only this week's matchup. Inside the minds of the players, coaches, and an in-depth look at to what you should be expecting this coming week. This week, your Denver Broncos are back in mile high after a bye week to take on the winless and very injured New York Giants. No game in the NFL is guaranteed, so today we'll break down how we're going to keep that giant team winless. Here we go, back from a bye week, Broncos country. Early bye week, not always the fun ones. It was kind of a boring one for all Broncos fans, but we're back, and we get to take on a winless Giants team, which I'm sorry, Matt, you have to defend here. Oh, God, I don't know I'm going to do this this week. It's going to be really tough. Definitely going to be an interesting game, uh, but, I mean, we've talked about that before. There's no guaranteed wins in the NFL, and I think that the, this is no different. Just because we have a much better team on paper – and, and on the scoreboard doesn't mean that this is a, an automatic game No, not at all. I mean, it, it falls under what we call like a trap game too. You know what I mean? It, it's not going to be guaranteed for the Broncos to win. They have a huge favor in this one. Like I'd be interested to see what the Vegas odds are towards the end of the week. Uh, but given who the Giants are, given they still have a guy who's won two Super Bowls and Eli Manning and their defense is still pretty stout. They just haven't really been helped out by the offense. It could be a bit of a trap game here if, if they're led properly by their head coach and the rest of the coaching staff. They can come in and make some noise. But, big butt on that one. I mean, they're still without Odell Beckham and they lost most of their offense. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Giants are going to have uh, a hard time in this week's game. That's very much so. All right, so before we move on to start talking about the Giants, let's real quick recap in our first segment of I Told You So. All right, you're up first. What did you tell us about that Raiders game two weeks ago? Well, clearly not the score or the outcome. I was pretty far off on that one. <laughs> uh, but I did believe I mentioned the uh, the Khalil Mack impact in the, in a football game. This guy had two sacks and seven solo tackles, which just shows that you know he was all over the field. He had a big impact on the Broncos' offense. Unfortunately, Raiders couldn't uh, close off that game. Sorry, Bronco Nation. I know. I know I'm picking for the Raiders here. But, uh, it, you know, he still had a huge impact. So my I told you, Sol, is, uh, you know, Khalil Mack is a guy that can make a big difference in a game. Yeah, and one of those random stats I saw after the game, they said that this is the first game that the Raiders have lost when Khalil Mack has had multiple sacks. So that's uh, that's definitely something to say about that that man. He's definitely a, an impact player yeah, on that absolutely. team. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the, the big reason why they lost is that Derek Carr got hurt, too. It's hard to win a game without your Pro Bowl quarterback. Right, so that's a good leeway into my I told you so is that the Raiders live and die off of Derek Carr. As soon as Derek Carr went down, it just seemed like the, all of their energy was taken out of that whole team, not just on the offensive side, but on the defensive side. It, it looked like they almost gave up just because of the Derek Carr injury, and uh, it, it definitely wasn't fun for them. So that's my I told you so, is that the Raiders live and die by Derek Carr. Absolutely, especially when you got the uh, the very inspiring E.J. Manuel coming on the field to replace him. That's got to be really tough. <laughs> really tough for any team. Calls a timeout because he doesn't like what he sees. Yeah, in the middle of the third quarter, and I would have lost my mind as a coach. That's unreal. I don't know what he was thinking. I'd be so mad. I, I, you did. You saw their OC. He got really mad. So. <laughs> Multiple times, yeah. All right, so now we're moving on to our next segment from the Raiders game is who would have guessed? 
What did you not see coming? Who would have guessed what, Matt? Well, given the Raiders receivers, I mean, Michael Crouchy wasn't playing. He was hurt, fine, but they still have uh, Amari Cooper, who finished the game with a nine receiving or something like that. The Broncos shut him down. So my who would have guessed is that Johnny Holton was the leading receiver for the Raiders. He had one catch for 64 yards and a touchdown. So granted, it's a nice little home run hit, but I never would have assumed that Johnny Holton who I believe doesn't even have a picture on NFL.com. I don't even know who this guy is, but he, he was the leading receiver for that game, so kudos to you, Johnny. You uh, you made some points happen. So I didn't see that um, EJ Emanuel coming in after Derek Carr, and actually outside of the one pick he threw at the very end of the game trying to drive the ball down, uh, he actually played pretty well. And, I mean, we talked about the timeouts and stuff, but as far as, like, play on the field with the plays that he was given, he was making some pretty good throws and getting the ball down. So I definitely didn't expect him to come in and play that well, especially against our defense. Obviously, we were up and playing a little bit more of a softer defense. We weren't being as aggressive. But still, he he showed up and he played decently well. And I do have to take that with a grain of salt. He played terribly against the uh, Ravens this past week. So... Hopefully Derek Carr can come back and that Raiders team being good again, but I like what I see, and I like that we are uh, now number two pretty pretty favorably in the AFC West. Yeah, that's that's a good spot, and I think Derek Carr is predicted to come back against the Chargers next week, so uh, I think the Raiders are going to get their juice back, and uh, same with my fantasy team. I need Carr back ASAP. <laughs> all right so enough about the Raiders game. That was two weeks ago. I almost already forgot about it because we won, so we're moving on. <laughs> We're moving on to the New York Giants. Man, they are beat up in 0-5, and, and the memes that are coming out of this are hilarious. So leaving those out of it, though, we're going to move into our first segment coming into the upcoming matchup, which is our favorite, Brain Games. We know that there's a hot seat on Ben McAdoo um, and him coming in. Last year, he didn't know all right with bringing him to the playoffs, but this year he just looks like he has no control over his team what do you got on him? So, yeah, so Ben McAdoo or McDoo or Ma, Ma, McAdoo, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. McAdoo. McAdoo, whatever it is. Uh, Mr. Haircut, <laughs> he's been known for his, uh, his nice style. Uh, he's, you know, he's a guy who was hired as uh, the head coach after being the OC for about a year. You know, it seemed like the Giants were following the uh, Tampa Bay model of, you know, firing the head coach. I believe it was in uh, Lovey Smith and then uh, hiring their cutters, their OC, you know, and keeping everything in-house. I'm not really sure why the team were was doing that. They had high hopes for this man, but I don't know. It was very, it was it was suspect at best. And right now, Ben McAdoo, like you said last year, 11 and five, they brought the team to the playoffs. Odell Beckham had another good year. Manning had an okay year. He's still throwing picks like crazy, but they were winning games. Right. And they you know, he he successfully built a strong defense, or rather, the GM did in bringing in a lot of strong free agents and it paid off throughout the year last year but this year man i don't know what's happening it's just not looking good the the team did not address any sort of offensive line issues in the offseason and now they're you know i I can't even find an analogy to talk about this offensive line they're just abysmal it's horrible to watch very scary for manning's health and those running backs uh just to give you guys a tidbit here like the leading rusher for the new york giants is orleans darkwa Orleans Darkwood, ladies and gentlemen. He has 21 attempts for 122 <laughs> yards in five games with one touchdown. Like 122 yards in five games. I think you said uh, C.J. Anderson. He had 122 yards, and not against the Raiders, he had 109, but the game before he had 122. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, like the Broncos running back is just pumping on 100-yard games every week, and uh, Orleans Darkwood, the leading runner, has got 122 in five weeks. So, 
it's it's tough. Like they, you know, the offensive line just can't get any sort of movement going for this running game, which in turn makes the passing game that much harder to execute. And now that you have Odell Beckham who has a broken ankle, might need surgery, and you got Brandon Marshall who, you know, we don't have any sort of injury update on him. Same with Harris who got hurt. Sterling Shepard got hurt. Like now that they're down to Roger Lewis as their number one receiver. And if somebody can tell me who Roger Lewis is, like I'll you know I'll give you five bucks because I need I don't I don't know who this guy is. He he's probably stressing out pretty badly right now. Um, they also have Evan Engum, who's uh, you know pretty good tight end as a rookie, but no, nevertheless, like this offense is gonna be pretty uh, pretty suspect. And and that's just a product of the fact that you know this this team never really properly upgraded their offense in the offseason. They just brought in Brandon Marshall and crossed their fingers. So whether that was Ben McAdoo, whether that was the GM <clears throat> or whoever made those decisions, I don't know, but it's, the result is that Ben McAdoo just really has a hard time with this team. I believe he's still calling the plays over Mike Sullivan, their offensive coordinator. And, you know, when that happens, God, I don't know. It's, it's been pretty, uh, pretty stressful for the giants right now. And their, their leadership is definitely in question. I don't know if the giants are going to fire him at the end of the year, just based on their, their track record with coaches. They seem to stick through uh, some hard times before making big decisions. But uh, it's it's just not looking really good. I think they might be in, in need of a solid culture change, like from, you know, right. just really an entire flip over. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I don't think this game against Denver is going to be their, their best option to bring back some, some pride for the New York Giants. And something I want to say about Ben McAdoo, too, in, in not just him, but head coaches in general, is that when you – when you take a coaching job and you take that role, you have to take it very seriously and you have to go in and, and part of your job is to create a team and to create an area that everybody, you know, gets along and they play well together. And he's just, it doesn't seem like he's doing that. You know, yeah. the GM is supposed to be getting the talent as far as, you know, taking care of the scouts and making sure he's, he's finding the right people. But Ben McAdoo is supposed to be the one that's getting them together and making them play as a team. And that's just doesn't seem to be happening when you watch them play, at least the offense, at least. Yeah. And um, it, it just creates this. It just creates a bad situation for any team. And that is that definitely falls on the head coach. That That is no nobody else that can really be blamed for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's hard to really create a good culture when you're not winning games, too. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a chicken yeah. or the egg. If they would have won that first game against you know, the Cowboys, for example, where they got stumped, maybe we wouldn't be having the same conversation. But when your year starts right. off so poorly, it's really hard to maintain a sort of strong winning culture that maybe he had established last year coming off 11 and five and a playoff berth, you know, so there's, there's a possibility there, but it's, you know, whether they need a win before they can start winning or whether they can start winning without having a win, you know, if that makes any sense to anybody yeah. who heard me say that. Uh, it's it's questionable, but uh, you're absolutely right. Ben McAdoo has a responsibility of creating a good culture within that locker room, and right now it's not looking hot. He was putting a lot of pressure on Eli Manning, sort of putting the blame on him for not playing as well, which I find is a uh, it's 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 something I don't know. People who blame others for for a team's problem, it has low integrity. Right. You know, it has very much low sense that of leadership, it. and I just don't know what kind of respect everybody has for Ben McAdoo in this locker room right now. So maybe that's why they're not winning. Yep. Yeah. And it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a hesitation. As soon as he started throwing the blame down on Manning, that was kind of one of those like, okay, come on, man, you're a head coach yep. now. Like you can't be, you can't be blaming other people for, you know, and, and there's definitely not a one point of failure. There's, there's 11 guys on the field at, at any given time. And you're trying to tell me that the one guy is the reason that you guys are losing. There's got to be something bigger there. Absolutely. And I mean, Eli Manning, kudos to him. Like he just, you know, he took it on the chin like a champ. He said, yeah, we're professional athletes. Yeah. We need to play better. 
good job good PR move on the same time I'm sure he's sizzling under his skin so we'll see what happens yeah. in the long run but uh, for this week's matchup I don't see any sort of improvement from uh, from Ben McAdoo and his culture I mean it must be hard to motivate your guys coming in against the number one defense in the league and they're fresh off a of bye week and you're fresh off of a war it seems with people going down on a body count on the field so <laughs> it's gonna be tough so i know we talked about uh you know he, he's probably still calling the plays moving from yeah. oc up to head coach so what role does the offensive coordinator mike sullivan actually play in this is he kind of a ground game guy or, or what does he actually play in this well he's a he's an air guy he uh he was the quarterback coach for the giants when mcadoo was the oc and previously as well he was the receiver coach and the qb coach for the giants when they won their two super bowls so he's been around eli manning okay. and this this team for a while uh, he took some time off in between that first stint and this one now. But Mike Sullivan, I believe, is more of a you know consulting OC. So we want to say call the plays. He might have a few drives where he calls and, and whatever, but uh, he probably feeds the plays to McAdoo. He probably creates some scripts. He does a lot of more of the dirty yeah. work, the behind-the-scenes work that an OC does. Since McAdoo's the head coach, he still wants to have the control, which, again, that's something that we can have a discussion for another podcast, but I find kind of weird for one person to do so much especially when you have so many yeah. professionals, you know, professional athletes and professional coach around you. But regardless, um, I think Mike Sutherland too, like based, based on his experience and the, the playbook they seem to have de- delivered for Eli Manning in this offense, it's very much air-based. There's not a whole lot of, of ground and pound in here. They don't have the backs for it. They don't have the line for it. But their entire offense seems to revolve around getting Odell Beckham the ball, which I get it. This guy's superstar talent, but at the same time, putting all your eggs in the same basket good luck good luck it's going to work for a little bit but eventually they're going to find out how to beat it and it's just going to be disastrous and unfortunately you know Odell Beckham as much of a drama person that he is he's an unreal football player and he really speaks volumes in his play and it's it's really sad to see a guy like that go down especially for a team that needs him so badly like I don't know you know he was uh, Eli Manning's security blanket and big play receiver and number one option and first check. You know, he, he was the offense, really. So when you lose that, it's uh, yeah. it's going to be really rough. But uh, Mike Sullivan, yeah, like I don't, I'm not really sure what kind of role he plays. I think it's more of a uh, background sort of role, and he just sort of supports McAdoo and his play calling. Yeah, I think I think you're right. More of the background does a lot of the uh, watching a lot of film, making yeah. sure that they're they're running the right plays, finding out what the other team's running and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, it's going to be interesting too as we talk about the the players that went down, all the receivers that went down. What Mike Sullivan and Ben McAdoo, McAdoo, whatever we're calling them nowadays, um, what what they what they decide to do with their receiving core? Are they going to go off and try to get some some of these free agents, or are they going to try to pull up a bunch of people from the practice squad? So. That's going to be interesting to see how they play that. Who knows? I mean, uh, I think uh, Terrell Owens is still looking for a job, so he might be available. Chad Johnson. <laughs> Was maybe. I think Chad Ochocinco? Yeah, they both they both uh, tweeted out to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think they're going to be available, but otherwise, uh, it's going to be slim pickings. It's going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel for uh, for players this week. It's going to be interesting. Like, and and with those guys being down, it's really hard to be able to predict what based on what we've seen in the past, uh, what their offense is going to be able to run as well. Like we don't even know if they're, maybe they're just going to try to load the box, bring a bunch of tight ends in and just try to run the ball on us. And obviously that's not going to work because we have the best run defense in the league right now. But um, you know, we don't know how they're going to really react. Yeah. It's going to be really tough. I mean, the offense, the Giants offense have the 30th ranked rushing 
offense in the league, and the Broncos have the number one rushing defense. So it's going to be uh, <laughs> it's going to be pretty. That'd be a terrible game plan to go with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're coming in with the run against Denver, I mean, might as well just bang your head up against a brick wall for a while. Yeah. So so that's that's interesting too. As, as we talked about Mike Sullivan and Ben McAdoo on the offense. So Joe Woods, he's kind of. I'm not going to say he has an easy job on his hands, but we have the talent on the defensive line to destroy the very ill-fitting offensive line of the Giants right now. So. We're obviously going to come in, just play our normal offense. We don't try to get fancy. Don't try to get creative. We just need to play that man coverage against what's either going to be a bunch of scrubs coming off of free agency or a bunch of guys coming up from the the practice squad who maybe know half the playbook and just, you know, pressure them, get some pressure on Eli Manning, make them run the ball, make them run into our, our number one run defense. And I think that's really that's going to come down to. I think we're going to see a lot of three and outs uh, from the Giants come Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the uh, the Giants are ranked 24th right now in third third down percentage, about 36%. And uh, the Broncos defense actually only allows 26% of third down. So they're number two in the league. So it's going it's gonna to be tough on every single down for the Giants to move the ball here. It's not going to be yeah. pretty. Yeah, because I mean, with our the way our run game runs, if they try to run it on first, second down, they're still going to be stuck with a third and medium, third and long. Exactly. And then you're forced to throw it into our no fly zone and again to who uh, at yeah. this point, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> you throw it to me. I'm available. I'll give uh, Benny Mac a call. Yeah. You're gonna so. have to tweet out to him and ask him. You yeah, have to get Twitter first. I got to jump on that boat. Yeah, but it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a tough one. So let's go ahead and switch roles. We talked about the beat up offense. You, you talked a little bit at the beginning about the Giants' defense is actually decent, but they're on the field just so often. So what does that say about Steve Spagnuolo? Yeah, so Steve Spagnuolo, he's a uh, he's a pretty solid defensive coordinator. He has head coaching experience with the Rams. He's had a number of years working with defenses. Uh, he runs a basic forty three defense. It's easy to execute easy to to really you know plug and play players and when you got really strong strong players like he does you know you can put out a pretty strong defense uh, he's been doing a decent job last year he did a great job this year it's unfortunately not really translating into the numbers basically because the Giants offense just can't stay on the field which forces the Giants defense to get on the field all the time which makes them look statistically pretty bad um, however they do have a bit of yeah. bright spots they're number eight in the league for third down percentage they only allow 42 percent of uh, third downs they're pretty good in terms of penalty they're very well disciplined otherwise against the pass they're 14th against the pass which is you know it's not too bad it's right in the middle of the pack um, and one little tidbit too is uh, denver's offense is ranked number 24th with the pass uh, so goes yep. to show that you know they might be able to stop uh, trevor simian on the passing game but they're number 28th against the run. The Giants allow 143 yards per game on the ground, and uh, the Broncos' offense actually puts out 143 yards per game. The The defense itself is probably the brighter spot on the Giants' team. Steve Spagnuolo is a pretty good leader. He's very fiery, very passionate, and I think a lot of these players respect that. Um, he might be the, uh, the the lone leader right now on the defensive side of the ball, or the, the whole coaching staff. So expect to see some plays from the, the Giants' defense for sure, just few and far between we, we talked about two weeks ago against buffalo having that defense that's very basic and very just do your job as long as you have the athletes and like you said they do have the athletes it's just they're on the field way too long yeah. to be able to and that's something that we as denver fans uh we saw that last year where our offense could not stay on the field to save our lives and our defense just got tired by the time third fourth quarter came around they were just so exhausted for being on the field so often that you can't really do anything after that correct so 
I think, you know, what Mike McCoy, I don't think he's going to have to change anything about his offensive game plan. We talked about 143 yards average per game on the on the ground, and I think that's what we're going to have to go. We have three very, very good running backs in C.J. Anderson, Jamal Charles, and Devontae Booker, and that means that we have depth to be able to just run the ball and just keep running it, which is going to open up the pass eventually. I don't think we're going to have more than – 150 200 yards throwing i think mike mccoy is going to stay it on the keep it on the ground and just control the clock you know just take as much time as possible to get to the end zone drive it all the way down keep their defense on the field for as long as possible the longer our defense stays off the better we are too and that's just even more scary for the giants coming into this is that now they're going to have to deal with them super fresh as well yeah so I think that's going to be that that's going to be the big the big goal this week for both Mike McCoy and the Denver Broncos is that we're just going to need to control the clock as much control of the clock as possible, you know, running the ball most of the time. I, I, I predict over 150 yards of on the ground from the Denver Broncos between the three running backs. And let's not forget that Jamal Charles still has about six yards per carry. And that's unreal. That's unreal as a running back that you still have that. And then you're, you know, you're kind of like a change of pace back, which is amazing to have as, as an offense. Yeah, that's what you really want is out of your change of pace guy. Just, you know, a few big plays here and there, but they're incredibly effective. That's unreal to have Jamal exactly. Charles just back to his form. If you think about it, you get a four-yard run off the bat, which is a decent run, but then you get yourself into a second and six, and you're pretty much almost guaranteed to have a third and one or a first down yeah. just handing it off to him. It's just it's one of those things that opens up so much of a playbook for Mike McCoy that it just makes for really good football and yeah. really good opportunities to be able to, to throw the ball. Yeah. If we need to on a third and six hand it off, we might be able to get the first down. So. Absolutely. I mean, that's what the that's Giants kind of are cool. clearly lacking. They don't have those guys to get those easy yards, and then which in turn can open up play action. It can open up draws it can open up uh, deep mm-hmm. passes you know your your offensive line is also pretty fresh too when they're you know you run block run block run block and then you step back to pass block and the defense is off their game they're kind of hesitant a bit so it you know you have more time in the pocket and it just opens everything up the importance of a run game is is I don't know. Everybody knows it, but at the same time, a lot of teams just seem to hope to get away with not having one. And clearly, that's what the Giants have been trying to do. And uh, it hasn't been paying dividends, believe it or not. Right. And as, as you know, as an offensive line, you know, you run, 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 and then you do step back to pass block. If that defensive line's more worried about filling their gaps than their, than their pass rush it makes it a lot easier to block. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a breeze. So that's, and I think that's what it, what it comes down to for, for the offense. And that's why our run game has been so effective and why our pass game can get open when it needs to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that was our brain games this week. Had a little bit of talk about the difference, the Ben McAdoo situations, the one to kind of follow the closest, uh, see if he breaks down or see what goes on in this game and see how he handles the Denver Broncos defense, the number one rush defense. I think we're number four overall defense in the league. So yeah, something like that there Broncos number one against the pass, uh, sorry, against yards overall, number 10 against the pass, uh, number one against the run. Um, they haven't allowed a single running touchdown by the way this year. So number one against wow. that. Yeah. Every year there's a team that comes out like that. So, I mean, if they keep the streak going, they're a pretty solid defense, but um but yeah, I know the, the Denver defense is yet again for another year, one of the top units in the league, top five, if not top three for sure. So that's it for Brain Games. We get to move on to talking about the players in the next segment called Survival of the Fittest. We've talked about the injury front on the offensive side. So who needs to step up on the offensive side for the New York Giants to even have a chance in this game? 
Well, I'm going to first off start by saying Evan Engram, who is a rookie for the Giants. He's a tight end. He's a receiving right. tight end, not a blocking tight end. So this year so far, he's got 200 receiving yards. He averages about 10.5 yards, I believe, per reception. Um, he's got one touchdown. Um, he's got two plays over 20 yards. So he's pretty explosive. Uh, he's really going to need to step up. I think he's going to turn into Eli Manning's number one receiver, um, which bodes mm-hmm. a little bit well for the Giants, considering that most of um, – the Broncos sort of issues in the passing game is with tight ends running backs against those inside linebackers, which we really talk about every week. So we're yeah. not going to re, you know, rehash it, but nevertheless, so Engram really needs to step up. I think he's got the biggest potential to turn into a number one target for Eli. Otherwise it's going to be whoever shows up at receiver, you know, knowing that Beckham's going to be out for a while. I think he requires surgery. Uh, Marshall. I haven't heard anything about it's still early in the week. Same with Sterling, same with Harris, so who knows? It's really going to be whoever shows up at receiver. And then lastly, on, on the running side of the ball, somebody's going to need to finally step up. Like after five weeks of just abysmal after abysmal performance, somebody's going to need to do it, whether it's Orleans Darqua or Wayne Gallman, Shane Vereen, who's still kicking around, Paul Perkins. You know, it's <laughs> it's not looking really good. Like these four guys, somebody right. needs to really step up and, and make a play, at least a couple plays a game. Their offensive line is pretty shaky. I don't think these guys are going to be stepping up anytime soon. But, the, you know, somebody in the backfield needs to make something happen. So, offensively, it's, you know, when when the Cleveland Browns have a better offensive unit than you do, you know you're in for a bad time. <laughs> and I think that's the situation the, the Giants are in right now. So, it's, you know, the, it's, the great opportunity for these players is that it's completely open to really step up and be a leader. So, hopefully somebody will. Right. Um, I could see Engram having a couple big plays in the game. I think he's a, he's a dynamic enough player. But, again, what kind of protection is Manning going to have? If, if the Broncos know that Engram's their best receiver, you know, they're going to put their attention on him. Why not take a, yeah. almost like an Aqib Talib or Parks or something and line him right up against the tight end and, you know, tell him come get us. It, you know, they can afford yeah. to do that. So. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But yeah, uh, I like your point on this. Somebody needs to step up and make a big play. I think that's their best chance of even getting a score, if not a couple. We talked about the Raiders. Their only their only big score was on just a big play. They're not going to be able to control the clock on us, so they need to be able to take shots down. It depends on who steps up and gets that ball and and makes sure that the the big play is taken advantage of. Yeah, it's going to be really difficult to watch too. Um, you know, this one will definitely not be the game of the week. I could promise you that one, but um, it'll be interesting to see how Manning kind of coops with all this. I mean, he's um, this year he's had eight touchdowns, five interceptions. He's been sacked 13 times in five games, which, you know, two, three sacks a game is, is a big deal when, you know, depending on when they come. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one for him, you know, given that he's, you know, he's potentially another Hall of Famer, given he's won two Super Bowls and all that, like, it's going to be really rough to watch him play with without anybody. Probably the worst yeah. team he's been on in his career. So that makes for an interesting point too, because now he's got to go up against the pass rush of you know Shaq Barrett. We we won't have Shane Ray back quite yet, but we'll have Shaq Barrett. Obviously, Von Miller is going to be an issue that they're going to have to double team. An already questionable offensive line. Last last week, Shelby Harris got a, a sack, or two weeks ago, so Shelby Harris got a sack. Um, you know, we have a, we have a lot of big guys in the front, and Damate Peco is going to be a great run stopper, and he can. I don't know if you watched 
some of those some of those plays where he, he may have not have made the play, but he's pushing his center, he's pushing his guard, he's pushing him back like five yards in the backfield. Oh, he's he just is, so yeah. powerful. He's a big. I used to watch him against. Uh, sorry, when he was with the Bengals, and it's this guy has not lost a step in oh, his years of experience. It's unreal. He's a big, strong man that just is so underrated in this league. He has such oh, an. It's, it's amazing. Oh yeah, a big pickup for the Broncos. It's amazing to watch too, and you're right. It's a huge pickup for us because that's that is the difference between our number one rush defense and our number like 26 last year he's he's definitely going to be a big part of it too especially with the way that their guards are playing I wouldn't be surprised if he causes a lot of havoc in the backfield for Eli Manning just just pushing the guy into him and then having somebody come around the backside it's going to be going to be fun to watch so I think that's going to be my survival guy uh, of the defense is going to be Dominate Paco just just want to watch him all game it's going to be fun yeah absolutely good call I think I'm going to pick Engram as mine the one guy to watch. I mean, like you mentioned, this pass rush, I think the, the Giants are going to be forced to keep uh, some people in the box to, to protect Manning, which might allow Ingram to get open a little bit. But at the same time, it's, you know, this guy's going to be a big difference maker in this in this game for the Giants offense if he shows up and he plays well. But he's a rookie. He's young. He's on a very drama-infused team right now. So it'll be interesting to watch. Well, that'll be interesting, too, with all the injuries to the receivers. There might be a chance that he's going to line up at wide receiver exactly. most of the time yeah. right, as a slot. Yeah. So he might not even be on the line at a tight end position. He might yeah. be out on the end. So it's really depending on how these uh, this coaching staff's going to react to this. Uh, it's tough losing three receivers in one game. That is difficult. I mean, Engram's 6'3", 240, so it makes him a pretty good matchup. Like, if he decides to go play in the slot... I mean, you're lining up against Bradley Roby, who's, what, like 5'9", 200 pounds, something like that, so... It gives yeah. uh, it gives Engram a good physical advantage, uh, but nevertheless, it's God. It's hard to predict anything in this game or, or really talk up any of these players because it can be so bad. I well, we we talked about the defense, and that's the one place in the New York Giants that they you know if they get the rest, they can really do it. So who who do you think is going to be the big playmakers at least for the first three quarters till they get tired on the defensive <laughs> side for the <laughs> Giants? They get tired, yeah. Um, that's a tough one. JPP is always a big star for the Giants, but he was hurt last game. And um, I don't know, you know, he's still a guy who's getting older a bit. Um, I like Snacks Harrison, Damon Snacks Harrison. This guy is very resembling of Damon Pico, like we just talked about. He's a big body man, really good at stopping the, the run. He's really good at pushing the pile, creating a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Um, and at the same time, you know, he's probably the, the lone bright star on the defensive line right now. But my guy, I just can't not go to is Landon Collins this guy was in my opinion the defensive player of the year last year he was lights out just awesome and he's such a big force um you know I'm not a really I don't really like talking about the superstars week in and week out but to talk about the impact players I think he's one of them for sure he's a he's a natural leader and he's somebody just doesn't seem to lose a step week in week out whether they're winning or losing so I think Landon Collins is going to be a big pressure point for Trevor Simeon. I think he's going to be all over the field from sideline to sideline. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a sack. He might get a couple pass deflections, something. They're going to really start leaning on him just based on his talents. So he's going to be uh, really the guy to watch in this defense. Watch him really pick up a lot of the pressure on this team and, uh, and do what he can to lead the Giants to anything close to a victory if not a victory. Well, and that being said too, that's going to be rough because he's going to have to go up against you know some some tough offense of the of the Broncos and our tough offensive line so I think for the offense the the biggest thing to watch is going to be our triple threat running backs and I mentioned it before it's just we're going to have to give it to all three of them we have the three guys we have guys that can bring in fresh legs and just just keep pounding the ball keep controlling the clock and I mean you've seen it our our 
between Jamal Charles, we talked about that, and C.J. Anderson's big playability that he gets into the second second level, and especially against a tired defense that's been on the field the entire time, he's gone. And even if he gets 20, 30 yards, it's still 20, 30 yards and still controlling the clock. So those are going to be the, the people to watch. And it's going to be interesting to see how we split up the carries. I'm still pretty sure that C.J. Anderson's our number one back with Jamal Charles being that change of pace back on second, third down. And then we're going to have uh, Devontae Booker, who's going to be um, he's going to be more of the fresh legs guy. You know, when both of them had, you know, one, two, three punch and all of a sudden, you know, we needed a fresh legs out there. Then he's going to go out there and still get the get the run. You know, I've, I've talked in the past about how our offense needs to be a little bit 50-50 between the pass and the rush, and I don't think that's going to happen this week. I definitely don't think it's going to happen this week. If he, if he, if Trevor Simeon throws over 25 footballs uh, this week, I'll be surprised. I think it's going to be it's going to be all on the ground, and especially if we get a, a early lead, it's definitely going to stay on the ground, and we're not going to need to pass. But again, any given Sunday in the NFL, this Giants team can't be taken super lightly, and especially coming off an 0-5 start, they're going to be mad, and they're going to be angry, and they're going to be hungry. Yeah, absolutely. It could be a trap game for them, like we mentioned earlier, but um, I would miss Price. Yeah. It's a very run-heavy game. I mean, why not pass the ball to Jamal Charles? This guy's a great receiving back. You know, send him out yeah. on a little uh, screen or swing pass, something like that. Get him the ball in his hands. Like he's he's going to be a big receiving threat too. Yeah, and and I think that's it. I think that's it. We need to we need to figure out how to use him and get him into the flats and get him into open field because he can make guys miss, and that's the one thing. And if he's not making a miss, he's rolling him over. So it's one. It's and he hasn't lost a step from his 2014 self, and that's amazing to see. So. I think that's they're going to try to get the ball into his hands and get him another touchdown and get him get him going and then that's going to be our kind of a snowball effect into the rest of the game. Absolutely. All right, so that is the survival of the fittest. Those are our key players to watch for this game. If you guys are watching the game, make sure that you guys are checking them out and making sure that you keep an eye on them. So our next segment is our Rain Man this week. In Rain Man this week, we get to have a little fun. We get to guess the score of this upcoming game. And I know you have um, some sort of money ball statistics going on over there, so I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, so I um, I started, like since, you know, there's been five weeks on the NFL, we started to see some trends. We see, see sorry, starting to see some statistics, starting to see a lot of, you know the, the the analytics of the game coming out it's hard to do any of that when you have like two three games in because it's kind of all sporadic but now that there's some numbers out there i built a nice spreadsheet i've got all these different statistics categories and everything <laughs> so i'm trying to be a little bit of a billy bean here and uh, you know maybe one day i'll become a gm myself who knows who knows who knows where this will take me but regardless my uh i'm really going to stick to this little spreadsheet here um my prediction is a 24 17 win for the broncos um, however, my big asterisk there is that Odell Beckham, Brandon Marshall, and Sterling Shepard accounted for 54% of the uh, the Giants offense this year so far in terms of yards and touchdowns. That's half. And if, if all three guys are out, I mean, we can cut everything in half almost. But, you know, one or two may come back. You know, maybe Sterling. I'm not sure how bad his injury was, but nevertheless. So I'm calling a 24-17 game here. However... You know, it could very well be a 24-8 game as well. But I'm sticking with my spreadsheet. 24-17 for the Broncos. We did mention that uh, it's an average of 24 points per game for the Broncos. Um, I'm going to yeah. say 28 for the Broncos just because we're going to get the ball going. And as soon as we get it going, we're going to score a few early. I think most of those are going to come in the first two quarters. And then in the, in the second two, we're going to kind of run the ball out. Uh, but I think it's going to be a 28-10 game is, is what I'm predicting. It's our Rain Man this week. Moving on to our famous last words. So I know that two weeks ago on the podcast for the Raiders game, 
you were all about bragging how the Raiders were going to beat us. So yep. I'm going to steal your famous last words this week. <laughs> uh, fair enough. <laughs> I deserve it. This coming game against the New York Giants is going to be a very interesting one, and not in the fact that we have the opportunity to lose. We're favorited by a lot, and the last time we were favorited by a lot going into a game this year was the Bills, and they ended up beating us. The one thing that we have going for us is that it's home field advantage, which we haven't lost at home yet this year as well as, you know, they're a very banged-up offense, and their defense gets tired. And those both things that we talked about today, and I think that's really going to play into effect in this game. And playing in Denver with the loud crowd noise, and, you know, Broncos country always brings it loud every single week. What we need to look forward to now after Sunday is the rest of the schedule is not going to be as easy as it was for the first five weeks. We've already had our bye week. We're not going to get really much rest from here on out. And we really need to focus on getting our team back together and, and stopping the mistakes that we've made. I think the week against the Raiders was the first time that we hadn't had a turnover the entire year. Obviously, that's a good step. We're moving in the right direction, but we really need to stop that. We really need to keep the turnovers to a zero, keep moving the ball, and keep controlling the clock. And I think that's going to be our biggest keys to success going through the rest of the season. Thank you guys so much for joining us. You know, we really have fun talking about these games. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, please let us know. We also, please, if you if you really like what you hear, go on to iTunes. Please rate our podcast. Go on there and subscribe. Any little bit helps. We really appreciate everything that you guys do for us, and thank you for listening. From us here at Orange Weekly, go Broncos, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.